As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And, uh, you know, I hope neither of you guys inadvertently contacts me with a swing because I will have to uh, put one in your ribs if that happens because that's the right way to do things. Uh, we got to talk about the Cubs' uh, tremendous winning streak at the right time or the wrong time, depending on your perspective. I have a sort of joke going in my head which i don't think is actually true but it's just funny to think about is that with every win you know jed hoyer is is standing overhead watching and going damn it guys can't you just make my decision easy uh but the cubs are not because they are doing what a, a decent team would do against bad teams and that's beating them and beating them relatively convincingly over these last six games. Uh, Of course, they took the final three in the previous series against the Cardinals, then swept the White Sox this week in two, and now they have won the first game uh, in St. Louis, uh, complete with some shenanigans at the top. Let's start with that White Sox series, if you guys don't mind, um, because I wanted to comment upon the combination of the Cubs getting another not great start from Marcus Stroman, um, which comes with its own implications in a variety of ways. But then the team, the offense, stepping up as it has all kind of after the All-Star break and and going on a run and putting up a ton of runs and making that game, I don't know, they won that 10-7. It wasn't even that close. Um, it, I've just been very impressed to see this offense, especially now that they've kind of got the playing time sorted a little bit, the order sorted a little bit, um, beating up on bad pitching because, uh, again, I'll acknowledge it's been bad pitching for sure. But this is, again, this is what a, a slightly above average offense would do. It would beat up on bad pitching, and that's what the Cubs have done. 
Yeah, I think you can pick it apart if you want to. There's been some Babbitt luck. I think uh, some things have gone their way. I, I think that happened in their run up to 500 uh, before London as well, or a near run up to 500 before London as well. The, the offense was getting finding some holes at, at opportune times. I also think uh, the comeback against the White Sox, those walks, you just don't dismiss them. You, you, they, they're taking their walks. They're, they're making the pitcher work. I think that type of stuff is more encouraging than, you know, maybe uh, grounders finding holes. I think Christopher Morell's offensive uh, evolution is is really intriguing. He's a you know still probably a high strikeout guy, but uh, just the way that some of the pitches he lays off, uh, the way he's getting his hits up up the middle of the field, I think that's a really interesting uh, development for the team in general. Uh, I, I think you can uh, you know. <laughs> Marcus Stroman struggles we can get into that a little bit more but that's not something if I were a Cubs fan I would be worried about and I highly doubt they're looking at it like oh no what are we going to do with Marcus Stroman I think this is just his ERA coming back to earth and this is who he is as a pitcher as far as his overall numbers and and at some point he'll he'll kind of settle down here you don't want this to last too long obviously but I'm not not thinking oh, no, he's a four-inning, four-run guy for the rest of the season. That's not who he is. Uh, it's it's a rough patch, and he's someone that relies deeply on his mechanics, and they're slightly off, and I wouldn't be too concerned about him finding them again. Um, I, I I don't think... like. <laughs> If, if this is a difficult decision for Jed, I, I really don't like the thinking, I think. Um, that's that's the well, way I me, feel about let it. Let me comment. Yeah. Let me ask you something before you state that equivocally or unequivocally. I, I want to try to make you equivocate a bit. Let's say the Cubs lose these final sure. three games in St. Louis. That's fair. And that's fair. I, I don't know where I'd sit. I think it... I, I do think context matters. I do think uh, where you are, uh, what you've done of late matters. I, I think of where the system is matters. This isn't a system desperate uh, for rejuvenation. Uh, this is a, a team desperate to be relevant again, to have August and September matter again. I think that matters. I, I don't know if front offices think that way anymore, unfortunately. I think very few front offices think like that anymore. Um, maybe the Angels are desperate, but would you rather the fans have that or their team selling? I just think it's it, it'd be nice to see, and maybe I'm maybe I'm just sick of covering uh, sell-offs, and and I'm getting uh, you know I'm. I'm not being dispassionate like Jed Hoyer should be, but I, I think it's, you know, I think the team has spoken loudly with its play on the field, and it's what we've been saying they need to do for months, right? They, they had that run up before London. We thought they'd turned a corner. They did not. Whether this is fake or not, real or not, whatever this is, I think they're doing what they need to do. And Jed Hoyer needs to do what he should do. If they win one more of these next three in St. Louis, I think the answer is is obvious to me. You don't sell Patrick or Pete Crow, Armstrong, and Kevin Alcantara and Cade Horton, but 
you have a deep system or, or so it, it it appears to be a deep system make some moves may do something to to improve this club around the edges add some relievers find a bat that can help you uh i i think it i think it's becoming clear what they need to do if this is not a hard decision at all right now i mean this is a team four games out of a playoff spot with multiple ways to get into the playoffs you have the Mets already in surrender mode um you know we'll see what other teams do at the deadline but that doesn't dictate it it's how this team is playing right now and I just I feel like you know, particularly covering Theo back in the day like he's someone who really taught me you have to like kind of keep your eyes open and be nimble and to me that's what's happening right now like they have the starting pitching to stay competitive the offense is finally you know kind of what they were hoping for and what they want in the clubhouse is not unreasonable at all it's you know whatever getting a lefty reliever like brad hand you know a right-handed bat like cj crone this is not they're not asking to move mountains here it's just giving them a chance and they have won these games decisively and you we've been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop here but i think maybe this is more of the team that uh they are so obviously we've all followed the cubs long enough to know that um they could still this could still implode uh in their in their face but there's also like a momentum to these seasons right it's like you you face a guy lance lynn who's getting traded to what the rays and then maybe the rangers and then the dodgers and you beat him and then you have the cardinals meltdown in in just you know getting their starting pitcher run in the first inning in the first game of a four-game series like these kind of things build on each other i think things are set up in a way that like it's almost like I think people on the outside, kind of more a more national view or in other cities, and it's understandable. You just assume the Cubs would sell. But I think if you're, like, following this every single day, it's absolutely clear what they should do in the next couple of days. And I think it's not at all unfair or unreasonable for fans and people who cover the team to want a different flavor of August and September. I I don't, I just don't think that's, I think if we've got our heads on straight and we recognize two things, one, that this may not be a team that is particularly well-constructed to make a deep postseason run. Fair. Agreed. And then two, this is not a team for which it would make sense to make some big, enormous, aggressive rental acquisitions. I agree. Done. If you have that context in mind, and I suppose I'll speak more to the fan perspective, then why wouldn't you root for the kinds of additions Mooney's talking about? The sort of supplementary, just sort of nice, fill some holes, backfill a little bit, protect against injury, because this is your last chance to do that, and then see what happens, right? Because they've already gotten to a point where, you know, we talk for months about we just want the Cubs to be competitive, you know, competitive, the capital C competitive. What does that mean? Well, it's what they are now. They've got a huge run differential in the positive, which does not matter in the standings, but it tells you something about the team. And now they're back to 500. They are within a stone's throw of a postseason spot. That's competitive. That's what they are right now. And boy, wouldn't it be nice to give them the players a chance 
to keep showing that over the final two months, where, by the way, the Cubs' strength of schedule is not particularly strong from here. So they do have opportunities. I think the real meat of this deadline, as boring as it is in a way, is not so much the Cubs' decisions on what they would add. I get that question a lot. They're like, okay, but if the Cubs are buying, what what are they buying? And I sort of have to hand wave people off. I'm like, yeah, they'll be opportunistic if some great multi-year guy becomes available and it's a perfect fit for this and next year. But mostly it's probably going to be minor additions. The real meat is the guys that they aren't moving away. You know, not trading away Cody Bellinger is the big move at the deadline. Not trading away Marcus Stroman at the deadline is the big move. And so that's, I think, the part that some national folks have trouble squaring is that they see maybe a Cubs team on the fence with two really valuable trade pieces. So why on earth would you not trade them? And, you know, we talked about this before with Cody Bellinger in the context of, you know, you can still resign him later. It doesn't matter. You're just throwing away prospects for nothing if you don't trade him. That was when the question was, if they're selling, do you trade away Cody Bellinger? Well, we don't have to have that conversation if the Cubs keep winning. The conversation is, of course you keep him because you have him for 2023 and your team is still competitive in 2023. And so I I have loved this week. I've loved how close the Cubs are to getting me past the point where I can say for sure they're obviously not going to sell. I'm not there yet because of what I said to Sahadev at the top. I think if the Cubs were to lose these next three in St. Louis, I think they sell. I think they start selling on Monday if that happens. Um, And that would be, that isn't the product of, you know, one series making the decision. I get a lot of people criticizing me for that. They're like, how are you, why are you counting down the wins and the losses to the deadline? One series shouldn't, that's not good process. And it's like, no, 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 no. One series isn't making the decision. The entire season to this point is making the decision. It's just that they're close to the fence, and this happens to be the last series before the deadline. It's the last data points you have. And if you lose these next three and your playoff odds dip below 10%, and you're starting to look at the math on coming back in either race and it's not looking great, then it's just pragmatic. You sell. But short of that, I think they're probably buying. And I think more importantly, they're not selling off those impact pieces. Uh, So... Go with that if you want more Sadiv, but otherwise, uh, I am a little itchy to get into the, the you know, Mooney teased it a bit, the start of the Cardinal series, which... <laughs> no, no, just, go go it for it. Del- Let's see. It del- if you want to kick that off, I, I was okay. kind of baffled watching that from home. Yeah, so let me set up for, for those who didn't see or did see and just can't stop delighting in it, because I certainly can't. Um, first, the unfortunate part, but he's okay, so it's, it's fine. Uh, first inning... Cubs and Cardinals opening against Miles Michaelis. Uh, Ian Happ backswing. He does have that very pronounced backswing, and he accidentally clips Wilson Contreras in the side of the head. Scary. There's blood. Um, but ultimately, you know, we learn after the game, Wilson's okay, it seems. Uh, they hugged it out. It's just one of those really unfortunate accidents. Um, there's really nothing you can do to prevent that kind of thing from happening. Uh, there's nothing you can police about that behavior. It's just something that happens. But uh, in very Cardinals fashion, uh, Michaelis, his next pitch rides up and in uh, perilously close, I would say, as a Cubs fan, to hitting Ian Happ up high and tight. Danger zone. Neck, and he misses, okay, because Michaelis sucks. He misses. The next pitch <laughs> uh, hits Ian Happ squarely in the hip. Uh, where you're, you know, quote, supposed to do it. Okay, whatever. Well, Michaelis is rightly ejected. 
You don't get to throw twice at a guy for what I would argue is no reason in the first place and not get tossed. Well, the Cardinals broadcasters and Cardinals fans were apoplectic and their manager apoplectic that Michaelis would get tossed in that situation without a warning to both sides, which by the way, only punishes the Cubs. If you issue warnings in that moment, because then if one gets away from Justin Steele, they have to eject him. Ridiculous, ridiculous perspective to say that anything shy of an ejection there was the completely reasonable response from the umpires. And I loved seeing, you know, Michaelis, he's hating what he's hating the moment. He's hating what he's hearing from the Cubs dugout. He's, you know, waving them onto the field. He's clearly making a hand motion, suggesting that someone over there is small. And meanwhile, the camera pans over to the Cubs dugout and they're just laughing in his (laughs) face. They're just pointing and laughing. That's their only reaction. And I got to tell you, it was it is a peak moment in this season for me, especially because then the Cubs turned it on and ended up stomping the Cardinals because that's what you're supposed to do in that moment. I was I was riding pretty high after that, um, and it, it kind of screws up their bullpen for the rest of the series, so I loved every bit of that. Yeah, I mean, immediately when he threw that first pitch up and in, I was like, is he trying to hit him for the backswing? And I was like, what unwritten rule is this? Is he just upset like is this just the type of season they're going through and he just wants to make a point here I was baffled by that first pitch and then the second one was like okay obviously I mean just the way like he was throwing and everything I'm surprised that came in at 94 because it just looked like it wasn't thrown that hard and it was like I am aiming for your ass right now is what I'm doing uh it, it was it was really confusing to me that that's a, that's a situation where you're supposed to throw at someone apparently, um, and I I just strongly disagree that that he should have gotten a warning. Uh, I think it was an obvious toss. I think maybe from the press box it was hard to see how obvious that first throw first pitch was. Uh, so I understand that, like watching it on TV, and I and I see I understand this really well now because we watch so many games from the press box and in the TV. There are just some things you miss from the press box compared to watching it on TV. And I think that's something that I can understand missing just how obvious it was that he was trying to hit him with that first one. Uh, it was an obvious toss to me. What I thought I, I loved the Cubs reaction in that in the sense that at that moment I was like, Man, they could really get out of their game here. This isn't this is if they let this get to them and and they're thinking about retaliation or they're angry in any way. And then I saw them laughing and I was like, "Okay, this is interesting. They're not overreacting. They're not like telling him to come in the dugout. Yeah, come out. Let's let's go out and fight." They're just like, "This is nonsensical. Let's play baseball and kick some butt." And they and that they went and delivered that. That kind of that showed me something like they they didn't get distracted in the moment. They can't right now, right? They have to win games. And they didn't let something nonsensical get their mind off the task at hand. And I think that was that was impressive to me. And I, I love the memes from it. I think we have years of memes. Uh, the, the giant smile from Strowman uh, really, really was beautiful like I thought I just really liked the reaction and the stills that we got from it and the Twitter reaction it was it was a fun moment that we don't we don't get often enough uh and and I thought I was I'm still a little taken aback by how strongly some people feel that that was the right move to hit him and that he shouldn't have been tossed even though he tried to hit him twice 
just very I don't I don't agree with that. I think this if he didn't hit if he if he hit him on the first pitch, I can understand. I can understand that argument. But once you miss him on the first and then try again and succeed, you're tossed. It's just it just feels simple to me. Was it Joe Madden who went on the rant of like whatever the unwritten rules are, like write them yes. down to the Cardinals. Like you, th- you guys think you're the Sopranos or the something Cardinal like way. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rip the Cardinal way. I, I, I don't know what that is. I was kind of trying to search back of like, because I love you know people getting pissed off about dumb unwritten rules, but I hadn't really heard of that one before. Of like the backswing, particularly the first inning of a game. Someone like Ian Happ who is extremely competitive but also is one of like the most dispassionate people like you will ever encounter in terms of like how he views the game in a lot of ways he's not someone who provokes people he's not a hothead by any means and he's really good friends with Wilson Contreras so just all of it thrown together was weird particularly like seeing the Cardinals just in that mode where they're waiting to see who gets traded you know I'd imagine their fantasy football drafts are going to be coming up soon, like packing for the offs. Like, it's really weird to see them in that mode at this point and not feel like, you know, like, oh, is this going to carry over in tomorrow? Are there going to be fireworks all weekend? Like, probably not. Like, the Cubs didn't really care. The Cardinals are, you know, sort of checked out uh, in, in in the grand scheme of things. And... Uh, that moment, that two-out rally, combined with uh, the two-run homer that Bellinger hit at Wrigley last week, or last weekend, whenever it was, uh, after the Cardinals' starting pitcher committed an error, and all of a sudden they jump on the board with a two-run, I think it was a two-out, two-run homer. And like stuff like that is what the Cardinals would do to the Cubs all the time, you know, back in the day. And it just seems like the Cubs, you know, are opportunistic in those moments and then bigger picture as well like this was set up for them where they had to win and they have and therefore i think things are lining up in a way that's pretty obvious looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I thought it was interesting. You know, we talked last couple podcasts about how the schedule was lining up where the Cubs were going to be playing these games against the Cardinals and the White Sox um, with their season potentially on the line. And it's interesting how little I thought about that White Sox series. I mean, even, yeah, the Cardinals series last weekend too. 
the the rivalryness of it. Um, and I know that the Cubs White Sox rivalry means different things to different people depending on your background and where you grew up and, and all that. But um, I I just found myself barely able to think about it at all. And it was really not until that first inning last night with the Cubs laughing at the Cardinals that I was sort of like, ah, you know, there is an extra sweetness to this because I've been so focused just on get the wins, just get the wins. And I appreciated um, after the fact, after that moment, for the Cubs, it was just get those wins. Justin Steele went out and just went about his business. You know, there was no, he wasn't thinking, these are our rivals. I need to get them back. I need to send the message that we're not going to, we're not going to stand here and take it. No, it's just, we're going to punch you in the mouth with our bats and my pitching. And and that's, um, it, it, it makes, like you said, I, I don't, it's very hard to imagine any more fireworks this weekend from this because the Cubs are just focused on winning. And, um, the fact that it's at a time and comes at the expense of the Cardinals being so bad uh, is just sort of a delightful side effect for the fans. Um, because you're right, as, as, as the implosion was happening, and it's hard not to think that they're just not used to this. You know, the, the, the players and the organization and the fans, which in a way this is a compliment, like they're not used to having seasons like this. They're not used to having the lead up to the deadline where it's like, who's going to get traded. There's a big Nolan Arenado rumor. There's this, you know, what's, what guy is this rental? Are we going to get an extension on this guy? All the stuff that we are intimately familiar with and know very well how to handle. They simply do not. And that's a bit that's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a shot at the Cubs, but it just makes me chuckle as I watch as them falling apart. I'm like, ah, we know how to handle it. We're old hand at this. You guys just don't know how like to handle it. Like, does Cardinals this. Productions have, like, hug watch videos ready to go? Like, do they have a, <laughs> a process and a procedure for that? They, they're they're going to be thoroughly confused. They don't know what to do with their hands. Uh, I, that You know what? The, the, the idea of selling and, and so many teams that the Cubs will be facing – are going to be sellers, right? That they're like, this is another aspect that you have to consider that Jed Hoyer is likely thinking about uh, these next three, four days that a lot of the teams that they're going to be facing are going to be significantly worse over <laughs> like they're, they're going to get a lot worse. Uh, I think Patrick wrote about the teams that they face, or, you know, you had a little sentence in there about who they have in the second half. One team you didn't mention is the Mets. And I, I mean, why would you mention the Mets? But now like the Mets are going to be a worse team. They're going to not be like, they're already playing poorly and they're going to be depleted of talent. Uh, there are probably a couple other teams on the schedule that you think of like as decently competitive, but probably really aren't anymore. It's a really it's a schedule that has to make Jed Hoyer think. Uh, it's not just what's running up to the deadline. It's what he needs to look at what's following the deadline too. There, like that has to be a consideration. And I think the fact that they're taking care of business against bad teams right now. Uh, you add the right pieces. You you fill in a couple holes here and and. I mean, there, there's no reason they can't continue to make a run and make this an interesting final two months. I mean, David Ross the other day, I mean, most days he's been peppered with questions about this topic, and he usually kind of hesitates or deflects or, uh, you know, whatever. And it's hard with the cameras on, but at one point he did say, you know, as he was kind of rambling off some details, he's like, well, you know, you, you look at, 
the second half of the schedule, there's a lot of positives in there. And then he kind of like, like that sounded like something he said out loud that they talk about <laughs> behind those closed doors. And that is certainly uh, a factor here. And uh, Jed Hoyer certainly earned a reputation as someone who will make unpopular decisions and, you know, prioritize the long-term interests of the org- organization over his own, like, short-term uh, popularity. But just because he's absolutely willing to sell doesn't mean he wants to sell. Or, you know, like, he's very open-minded uh, executive. And at this point, uh, I just... and. You know, we don't want to get too far into like the straw man arguments or like the the fan arguments, but like, you know, they have earned this. Like, I mean, watching this team, think about your frustrations with the Cubs offense years ago. It's like, oh, maybe they'd have a a good inning and they would just be like zeros the rest of the way. Like, they're tacking on. Uh, they're having you know good approaches, um, and they're just kind of taking care of business, beating teams that they should. And, you know, at at this point, um, I think there are, even if they're not going to make the decision based on this, I think what Saad wrote the other day is, is on point of like, you're building towards something here. And like, you want to see Christopher Morrell taking at bats in a meaningful game in September. You want to see Justin Steele actually finish a major league season and get to whatever, a 31st start. Um, and then you can say, you know, you can really head into this offseason, uh, you know, feeling pretty, pretty good about where you're at and what you can sell to free agents, what you can sell to your ownership, what the business side can sell to the public. Like, all those things uh, work together. I think where I'll leave this is with a thought that um – I've been workshopping and I'm not there yet, especially because it's going to depend on what happens this weekend. But it's something like this. If if the Cubs make the decision to lightly buy and importantly, do not sell off and it doesn't work out, they fall on their face right after the deadline, lose 10 games. And it's like, uh, what a missed opportunity to, to trade away Cody Bellinger for a great return. Marcus Stroman for a great return. I think it's going to feel a lot easier to be forgiving of that decision then a decision where the Cubs are a game under 500, five games out, six games out, and they decide to sell and they sell deeply. And then they float along at 500 the rest of the way. That's going to feel pretty unforgivable by for, for fans, I think, especially at the context. And that, that doesn't mean that's what you make your decision based on. But I do think it speaks to where the fan I can't speak for everybody. Fans aren't a monolith, but this is my sense. It speaks to where the fans are right now. And ultimately this is an entertainment business, you know, like winning championships is the thing, of course. But why is it the thing? Because fans like it. That's why you're here to entertain the fans. That's the point. And so I do think that that should not go under considered uh, as the Cubs make their decisions this weekend. Um, and I think uh, you know one more one more win probably checks that box enough. But I'll be I'll be pulling for two just in case because then then they're guaranteed to be over five hundred. Can't it just selling is impossible over five hundred. I, I truly believe that. So this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahad of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at the Athletic, especially now. I mean, I know you're already reading their stuff, but this time of year you need to be. Uh, 
especially on what they're doing. All the great folks at The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal uh, especially as well. And we will be tracking this weekend series in St. Louis. The Cubs then come home to host the Reds in a series that hopefully has renewed meaning at that point. Uh, but we'll be talking to you then anyway. Uh, it'll be in the middle of my blogathon, by the way. So that'll, that'll be fun. <laughs> the Annually, I do a uh, this year. It's going to be 42 straight hours of coverage at the deadline. Um, you know, go to go to bleachnation.com. Find the find the links to make a wish if you want to make a donation to to support their great cause. Um, and we'll talk to you on Monday. So we appreciate you folks. Have a great weekend. See you soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.